to, to share the platform with Mason uh, today. Uh, not because not I'm not excited to share with Kevin. I'm just excited to be here with Mason. Um, because Mason is going to come back up in a moment, and he's going to sing uh, the same message that I'm going to proclaim to you when I preach. Uh, when he get, gets up at the end of this message, he's going to sing to you uh, the very content of what I'm wanting to communicate to you through word. And uh, it's a powerful song. I'm excited for him to, to sing it and you to be blessed uh, by its message. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more and give you an opportunity to respond. But it's funny, when we, I first um, learned that Mason was going to be working with us, uh, Taylor and I had just gone through a process of figuring out what we were going to name our son, uh, which is also Mason. And we had deliberated and deliberated, went back and forth, and we had three names, none of which were Mason, that we were just all arguing about. My whole family was at the beach, and we were just going back and forth. What are the pros and cons of this name? And on the way back home from that beach, we were driving through the night because, you know, we have young kids, and it's easier to do that when, they're ha when they have diapers. And we just looked at each other, and we said, all right, all of those names are out. It's going to be Mason. And it came out of nowhere. And we posted it on Facebook and before we were home, and everyone knew, okay, Mason was going to be our name. And then I, it was like the next day I walked in um, to Randy's office, and we were all excited because we didn't know anybody named Mason. Uh, and Randy goes... <laughs> Hey, we're going to hire a new guy. His name's Mason Aldridge. I said, oh, that's funny. Taylor's going to be glad to know that his name's Mason. But uh, we've loved uh, getting to know uh, Mason. And Mason's, you're going on the ski trip this week, too. Uh, he's going to be leading worship for our high school students. And uh, I was just thinking about this. If, for those who are going on this, this high school, uh, this ski trip, um, it, it's just such an important point. And, and my message is, is directed to you, uh, not specifically, but definitely in your situation. Because I remember... As 20, uh, 20 is approaching, you know, we're, we're ending a decade. So it's not just we're ending a year, but we're ending a, a decade. I remember it was 10 years ago. I was on that very ski trip, going up to Winter Place, lost, embracing the voice of folly, and not even considering the fact that I might be bound for death and hell. And it was on that weekend that the Lord uh, grabbed hold of my heart, opened my eyes to the truth, and called me invited me to come to his table to eat, eat the bread and, and, and drink the cup of Christ through faith. And I responded to that message. And so it's funny as I'm just getting up here, you know, as we, we round out the decade and go into 2020, that this decade began with a call and a decision between am I going to continue in folly, am I going to continue in sin, or am I going to embrace wisdom and embrace Christ and follow after him? Because there comes a point, and like, just like with Taylor and I came to that point, where all the back and forth is no longer helpful. If you're making a decision, you've been there. You know, There comes a point when the pros and cons and the deliberation, the should we, should we not, it's just no longer helpful and a decision needs to be made. And Proverbs 9 represents one of those moments. For the previous eight chapters, Solomon has been laying out his case for, for wisdom to his son, and he begins to uh, call him to a decision. Uh, wisdom gives her invitation, and folly gives her. Let's read Proverbs 9, and you'll hear it uh, from them. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Come. Eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, 
and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me will your days be multiplied, and your years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive, and she knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Wisdom has extended her invitation, and folly hers. One leads to life, the other death. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, unfortunately chose folly. The question that remains is which will you choose? Wisdom or folly? In fact, which have you already chosen for today? Let's pray and ask God to give us understanding as we enter this time. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word and the gracious invitation to come to your table. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes to the truth, that you would give us understanding by your spirit, and that you would teach us and direct our eyes to Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God made flesh. Lord, I pray for those who are walking in volley. Lord, get their attention today. Bring them to the path of wisdom. Bring them to repentance. Bring them to salvation. Lord, open their eyes of their heart that they may see and respond. Help us to have hearts that are receptive to your word so that we may walk in insight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to first look at Folly's invitation, then we're going to go back and look at, at Wisdom's invitation. And what we see about Folly and what she says is we see that Folly inundates us with her seductive message of half-truths that promise happiness, but in the end lead to death. Uh, so we see right there at the very beginning of her section, it says, The woman Folly is loud. And going on, it says, Calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on her way. What that's teaching us is that we don't have to go searching for folly. It's, it's around us. It's all around us, calling out to us each day through uh, the various media that we consume, the advertising, uh, through the workplace. We see folly and hear folly and hear her invitation each day. And we see that particularly in the various screens that we own. Folly has cornered the market on TV, cable, uh, Netflix, social media, uh, Snapchat, uh, I mean Snapchat, uh, TikTok, whatever it may be, Folly has cornered the market, and she is proclaiming her message and calling to those who are just going about their day uh, with a very loud message. Uh, and, that's, and that's important because Folly is very deceptive, and she says things like, what's the big deal with a little nudity in this TV show on Netflix or HBO? You'd be happier if he was more like this uh, character in the Hallmark movie. 
Every other parent bought their kids this. Go ahead and go into debt to pay for the big trip. Everybody sends these pictures in Snapchat. He's going to break up with you if you don't. Sure, have another drink. Take the edge off of the day's work. Can you believe what that politician did? The unfortunate reality is that listening to these voices that dominate the news cycles, that dominate Netflix, that dominate social media, that are just surrounding us each day, listening to those voices is our autopilot mode. It's what we naturally go to. And what that means is, is if we are not intentional to take control of our days, intentional to take control of the voices that we allow to influence us, we will find ourselves neck deep in folly's house of death. It's just the truth. And that's why during 40 days, uh, we're going to purpose to live for the glory of God. And we'll be talking a lot about 40 days today during the sermon as a, as a mode of application. Uh, 40 days uh, is a season that we're going to enter into at the new year. Uh, we have information that we're going to be talking about. But one of our emphasis in 40 days of renewal is to purpose to live for the glory of God. And we recognize that if we want to live lives that bring glory to God, that that's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen if we don't purpose it each and every day to pursue that. So we're going to, we're going to purpose uh, to remove from our lives the voice of the holly, the voice of folly in our life. We're not going to walk by her door every day, but we're going to lower the volume of her in our life. That means we may turn off the Netflix, turn off Fox News, Turn off CNN. Turn off social media. Delete your Snapchat. Delete your Twitter. Delete your Facebook. We're going to lower the volume because we recognize that the more we willingly allow the voice of folly into our lives, the harder it's going to be for us to hear wisdom. So during 40 days of renewal, we're going to purpose to live for the glory of God. And this is very important because not only is the voice of folly loud, it is seductive. It says she is seductive, and it says that she knows nothing. She knows that the, the stolen water that she offers, the, the secret bread, which is just the pleasures that sin can offer, she knows that those entice us, and they draw us in. And it's an aroma that fills our nostrils and goes, we want that in our flesh. It's kind of like if you've been working all day, and you're hungry, and you're tired, and you're heading home on Rainbow Drive, and you get to that point when you're stuck in traffic, and then the smell of Popeye's chicken and Wendy's hamburger starts to fill in your nostrils. And you go, I'm hungry. I don't want to cook when I get home. That, that smell is very seductive, and it's calling out to you. And it's pretty loud. I mean, it's filling up your nose. If your window's down, like even if you're just stomping at CVS the other day, like it, you smell it, and you're like, that smells really good, and I want some of that. But just like that, that smell on Hamburger Row, as we call it, fills our nostrils and calls us in. Folly's offer of sinful pleasures is exactly what our flesh desires. And it's seductive. So the loudness, we hear it. Our sinful flesh desires it. And this is part of the reason why we're seeking to make healthy choices during the 40 Days of Renewal campaign. Because we recognize that our physical health and our spiritual health are not separate realities, but they're intertwined together. And folly tries to keep it separate. Say, hey, that's, 
your physical health has no impact on your spiritual health. But we're going to recognize that sometimes some of the issues that we have in our physical health is because of lack of self-control, which is a very spiritual issue that affects every domain of life. So part of our purpose in making healthy choices is not to just make healthy choices for the sake of making healthy choices, but so that it can be an exercise of self-control, which is a spiritual quality affecting every domain of life, so that we can have a greater experience of joy in Christ and expressions of ministry in his kingdom. Because folly says physical health is separate from spiritual health. And through unhealthy eating habits and unhealthy living, she robs us of the joy of the joy of Christ and some of the ministry in his kingdom. And that's her deceptive ways. And that leads us to our last thing about folly is that she is a liar. She does not tell the truth. She peddles the great lie of the enemy is that you can find more satisfaction in sin than you can in God. Listen to what Bruce Walkie says. It says, Folly allures her victim with the half-truth that sin gives pleasure, but she, like Satan, denies the connection between sin and death. This lie that you can have pleasure through sin that's lasting is a lie that destroys people. It destroyed Eve in the garden. If you remember the story of Achan where he took from the, the, the treasures of, of Jericho when he was told not to, it destroyed him and his entire family. It destroyed Rehoboam. And it has decimated the lives, marriages, and careers of many who have also been deceived by Folly's voices. Her voice is loud. Her voice is seductive. And she's lying to you. And what she says brings happiness, brings death. Death of relationships, death of careers, and in the end, eternal death. So that's why during 40 days, one of the characteristics we're seeking to develop is we want to develop our spiritual lives. We want to draw closer to the Lord through his word, through prayer, and through other disciplines like fasting and the gathering of saints. For we recognize that the better that we know the truth, the better we know the superior joy of following after Christ, the better we will be able to recognize follies, half-truths, and lies. Because we recognize that what Jesus offers is better. It just is. It's better than sin. It's better than the fleeting pleasures of sin. The reward of Christ is better. And we want to know the truth so that we can recognize the counterfeit. You know, and if you want to spot a, if you're one of the people who can train or train to spot counterfeit bills, they don't put a bunch of counterfeit bills up there so you can study to look and see if there's, if there's a bunch of, you know, if there's a counterfeit bill coming in front of you. They give you a, a genuine bill and you study that and you study that and you study that and you study that so that you are able to recognize when a counterfeit comes in front of you, this isn't the real thing. This is fake. And that's why we're wanting to develop our spiritual life is so that we can draw near to Christ to know Him, the way, the truth, and the life so that when, when Folly's loud and tickling voice comes into our ears, we go, that's a lie. That is not the way, and it leads to death. And so we want to draw near to, to Christ. And that may help us refocus how we do some of these disciplines. We don't just read the Bible because we, it's something to do. We don't pray because it's something to do. Those are avenues for us to approach 
the Lord, to draw near to him, to hear his truth, and to let him transform our lives from the inside out. It's not just to check it off. It's so that we may experience the grace and kindness and love of Jesus Christ in our life each and every day. Not earning it, but coming to him and drawing near to him in faith. So what is wisdom's invitation? Because we need to accept it. Let's look at verse 1 again. It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn and hear. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. And what we see wisdom doing is we see wisdom invites us, a.k.a. the simple, to come into her house that we who are bound for death might live. And wisdom, who is later fully expressed in the person of Jesus Christ, has built her house, and we see that it's large, it's sturdy, and it's perfect. She's made all the preparations, and she invites us to come. I love that the Christian invitation is come. You see it here in Proverbs 9. You see it in Matthew 11, where it says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You will find rest. You see it in Revelation 22, where you see the Spirit and the Bride saying, Come. The message of Jesus Christ is not exclusive to who hears it. It's exclusive in those, and that there's only salvation in Jesus Christ. But the message of salvation is to everyone. White, black, rich, poor, Republican, Democrat. Whatever sin that someone is living in at the time, the message of Jesus comes to them like it comes to all of us, saying, come. And we see that in Jesus' life as the wisdom of God made flesh. We see him say that in John, in John 6. It says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. True drink. What Christ is doing there is that he is inviting us to partake of the same life and righteousness that he has. Because his message is simple. We are sinners. We are all born sinners, cut off from God, unable to satisfy God's holy standard, and left hungering and thirsting for righteousness, yet unable to satisfy it. And he sent his son because he loved the world. And Christ, being rich in mercy and love, he gave his life on the cross, dying in our place. The righteous man in the place of sinners. The personification of wisdom, perfect wisdom, in the place of fools. And he bore our punishment. He shed his blood for our forgiveness, for our sins. And he embraced the full curse of death in the grave on our behalf. But he did not stay dead. The Holy One did not, was not given over to corruption, but God raised him up on the third day, and he has life and victory over sin, Satan, and death. And he shares that life with anyone who comes to him through faith in his substitutionary sacrifice. What that means is we eat his body, we drink his blood, and we receive eternal life. And what that means is 
is we trust in Christ and what he has done, not what we have done. His body, his righteousness, not my righteousness. His forgiveness, his cleansing, and his blood, not anything that I can muster up. We need Jesus, who died in our place, who lived a righteous life in our place, and who rose again so that we might experience his resurrection in the coming days. But Jesus' invitation to come also includes a call to turn, to turn from sin, to turn from folly's secret bread of, of sinful pleasure and come to the bread of life. And this is why he began his ministry proclaiming, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn from your foolishness. Or as the pastor says it today, leave your simple ways behind and believe in the gospel. Live. If we're going to come to Christ, if we're going to come to wisdom, you must leave foolishness and sin behind. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot both enjoy sin and enjoy Christ. To come to one is to leave the other. To come to Christ means to leave sin behind. Or as the passage today puts it, to come to wisdom means to leave your simple ways behind. There is this fake, cheap gospel out there that offers the forgiveness of sins without calling people to repentance. And let me tell you something. It saves no one. It saves no one, and it has damned thousands and thousands and thousands of men, women, and children to hell because it has given them a half-truth, a false gospel that does not save but only condemns. And it is one that many have bought into. You cannot love sin. You cannot serve sin and serve Christ. You cannot pull for Alabama in the Iron Bowl and pull for Auburn. You cannot be a Mac person and a PC person. You cannot serve sin and serve Christ. You cannot serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. To come to Christ is to turn from sin, to turn from foolishness. And then you walk in him, following after him as his disciple. That's why Paul later said in Colossians, he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, which is a massive sentence already, Christ Jesus the Lord, Christ the Messiah, Jesus the Lord, our Master Jesus, who saves us from our sins, as you received him, which is through faith, so walk in him. Following Christ, which is what it means to accept wisdom's invitation, is a lifelong pursuit. You were walking in folly, but now, because of what Christ has done in him, you're walking in the way of insight, the insight of Christ. And this walk has its ups and downs, it has its sprints, and it stumbles. But those who are following Jesus, who are born again of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God keeps you on the path of wisdom and keeps bringing you back following after Christ so that he so the believer in Christ perseveres to the end and he is saved. We come to Jesus through faith. That includes turning from our sins and we live a life that's transformed. That's what a Christian looks like. That's what a believer looks like. That's what a disciple looks like. There is no difference between any of the terms that I just used. 
They have all come to faith in Jesus Christ. They have all turned from their sin. And they all are walking after him. It, they may use the, the term, but the life reveals who is who. Some of you, though, at this point may have checked out and are thinking, Hunter, I know I, I knew all this already. Please just tell me something new. And I'm here to tell you that there is nothing new. The gospel of Jesus Christ is how we enter the Christian life and it's how we walk in the Christian life day in and day out. We do not get past the gospel. Each day is this same cycle of accepting the invitation of wisdom, the invitation of Christ to draw near to Him so that He may draw near to us, give grace to the humble as we turn from our sin and our foolishness that we committed the day before and we, we purpose and intent to walk in the way of insight, in the way of wisdom, to walk in the Holy Spirit. It's an exercise. The Christian life is simply an exercise of applying the gospel to your life each and every day. And that's what 40 days of renewal is all about. It's just this cycle of coming and eating of the, of the body of Christ each morning as we come to His Word in faith, letting, trusting that He alone satisfies. His blood alone can cleanse us from sins. And we trust in Him each morning as we draw near to Him and we leave our foolishness behind and walk in Him. That's, that's what 40 Days of Renewal is all about. There may be some practices during 40 Days of Renewal that you may not continue past the, the 40 days in the same measure. But get this. 40 Days of Renewal is meant to be a campaign that launches us into a lifelong of this pursuit of coming eating of, of Christ, leaving our sin and foolishness behind and walking in Him. If you're thinking, I need to do this till February 16th, you're, you're not thinking in the right way about 40 Days of Renewal. 40 Days of Renewal is meant to be a campaign that launches us so that we live out this cycle this, of responding to the invitation of wisdom each and every day of our lives. And we do it together. It's a purposeful, intentional pursuit together as a church. And my question is, is that will you participate in the 40 days of renewal? Have you recognized that maybe you haven't been as intentional as you should have been? And maybe you've been passing by Folly's door a little bit too much. And you've been responding to her invitation a little bit too much. And you recognize that something's off that needs to be set back on the course. 40 days of renewal can be an avenue for you to, to draw near to the Lord and to experience His transformation in your life. Even if you've been following Christ for a long time, 40 days of renewal can be an opportunity for you to draw near to Him and experience the goodness and grace and mercy of Christ in your life in ways that you have not been able to fathom before. So sign up for the text messages. MV Renewal at 33222. Many of you have already signed up for years past. You don't need to sign up again. Um, They'll all have fun reading through the, the inbox messages and seeing who, did, who signed up multiple times. Host a cottage prayer night. Have people in your home where you can just pray and seek the Lord's favor with others. And encourage those around you. This pursuit of wisdom was never meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done in community alongside others on the path of wisdom. And I think that's the point of 8 and 9 in this chapter. He says, you know, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you, but reprove a wise man and he will love you. 
Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The wise, those who are walking into the path of wisdom, they need the reproof that comes from others who are walking alongside them. We're not perfect. We need people to correct us. We need to be instructed about our days. And the wise, they hear that instruction and they follow after it. The fools reject it. And we need to be taught. We need to be taught the truths of God so that we can increase in our learning, increasing our knowledge of God. We need each other. That's what I love about 40 Days of Renewal is it draws us to community. There's life groups that are going to be pursuing this together. There's people going to have people in their homes, uh, Wednesday night praying together, Sunday morning gathering together in this, uh, with the saints. It's going to be an incredible time where we pursue intentionally the Lord, drawing near to Him and, and, and drawing away from the voice of folly in our life. So right now, really the question is, is where are you? I, what's, what's really ironic about the new year to me is that it makes us acutely aware of our shortcomings and failures. We've had just this wonderful time of Christmas and celebration with family, and then it turns to the new year, and we become aware of just where we're just missing it. People began to um, build up all these resolutions. But the thing is about 2020, there's nothing mystical about January 1st, 2020. It doesn't change anything about you. But the good news of the gospel is, is that Jesus can. Jesus can change you. He can 